Hello, and welcome to the Green Leaves Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. Today, I have on a friend and fellow registered dietitian, Sarah Schlichter. Sarah came to me recently and wanted to do a podcast together, and she presented a topic that I thought was really interesting, something I haven't talked about or experienced, and something that I thought would be really interesting to all of you and resonate with a lot of you. We're talking about running during pregnancy and postpartum and how you can still identify as a runner when your body goes through so many changes. You may be running slower or doing lower mileage because you're pregnant or postpartum, and that's totally okay, and that's something that we chat about in this episode. Also, a lot of pregnant women are told that they can get back into running six weeks after they give birth, and some people don't feel like that works for them. So we kind of talked about Sarah's experience with that and how she handles that with clients. And we also talked about body image after giving birth and how that can affect you as an athlete. And lastly, Sarah's run long distances since having kids, so she talks about how she balances it all, which I found really interesting. A little more about Sarah. She's a registered dietitian. She's also the co-host of a podcast called Nail Your Nutrition, which helps athletes support their training by fueling them with the nutrition advice they need. She is also the creator of a healthy living blog and brand called Bucket List Tummy. And of course, she is an avid runner and she has two daughters. So let's jump into that chat with Sarah. But before we do, I'm going to remind you to subscribe to this podcast. And if you have feedback or want to hear about a different topic, send me a DM on Instagram at Greenleats. And I look forward to hearing from you. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Natalie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you because you brought up a really interesting topic that I see come up a lot on social media and I hear people ask about. And to be honest, I don't know a lot about it because I'm not a mom. So we're going to kind of talk about when you're a first time mom or even maybe not a first time mom, but just you just gave birth and how you get back kind of into your running and nutrition routine and all of that good stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, definitely a learn as you go type thing. I mean, where it's so fluid, everything's always changing, kids are changing, your your work life balance is always changing. So um, hopefully I can share kind of what's helped me to help those other moms or moms to be out there. Yeah, I'd love to hear your your story. I think the first kid is really the one that I'm most interested in, not that I'm not interested in your second kid, but (laughs) I, I feel like with the first time around, you don't really know what to expect, right? So kind of how was it for you while you were pregnant? Were you able to continue to run? And then also, I guess, after pregnancy, how did you get back into it? Totally. So you're, you're right on when you say you don't know what to expect. And some people think like a transition from one to two is harder, but I a hundred percent thought zero to one was the hardest just because like, it is just your whole life turns upside down. You know, you have to prioritize other things. So I was fortunate during pregnancy to continue running. I I ran throughout pregnancy and luckily had no pain. I had a little sciatica. So I saw like the chiropractor occasionally, which seemed to help, but you know, your, your balance is off as, as your belly gets bigger and you're gaining weight. I'm sure my running form changed, but it still was enjoyable to me. And I liked to be outside So I would usually have to take a lot of bathroom breaks or, you know, I went a lot slower, drink a lot more water. But other than that, it was still, you know, a time for me to be out. I would actually listen to birth stories a lot, like podcasts when I was out running to just try to help me prepare for everything. 
And my first daughter was, she was close to her due date. She was three days late. And I remember running even like the week up until the week before, of course, it was only a couple miles at this point. And I, I went for like a four mile walk the day before labor. So who knows, maybe that helped spark labor, but I was fortunate to kind of keep busy and active throughout pregnancy. And yeah, after you give birth, I think it might be a little bit different for everyone, but after a few weeks, you know, once you get out of that brain fog, few months, I should say, when you're starting to get more sleep, I, I really did want to get back to exercise because it's part of your identity. Um, I've been running for so long and it's just kind of that me time, um, clear my mind, start to set some goals for myself, but you have this little human that you're caring for. So you can't just go out and run whenever you want. And on top of that, and I've actually done a better job with this my second time around, just because I didn't know my first time around on top of that, you're healing. And, you know, there's certain exercises that you may not be ready to do yet. And if you haven't seen or heard of a pelvic floor therapist, that can be a great professional to work with before you just start running, you know, before you get clearance from a doctor, just to make sure that your body's in an ideal state to kind of take that impact on. Yeah, I actually have been in physical therapy, not right now, but in the past for a sprained ankle. And I'm on the newsletter for my physical therapy office and they send out things about pelvic floor all the time and how they work with people. And I always think that that's so great that they're bringing awareness to it and, you know, making this a priority for women who are, I think they, they recommend women who are pregnant do it so that you don't have as many pelvic floor issues after the fact. Yes, you're right. So during my first pregnancy, I didn't know about that. Um, but during my second pregnancy, I did. So I, I did see a public floor therapist throughout and I've been seeing her much more regularly after my second baby having having that knowledge. But yeah, I mean, there's just so much you you don't know. And unfortunately, the medical system, at least I shouldn't speak for all, but my OB never said you should go see a public floor therapist. Um she never checked if I had separation between my abs or anything like that. She just said at six weeks, you're good to exercise. And an unknowing mom who is just like, great, I can't wait. You know, I want to get back to it. But once you have a little bit more knowledge and, and at least in my second time around, I, I had that knowledge and I was much more careful returning to exercise. So it is a little challenging, especially if your identity is tied up in running or cycling or swimming or, you know, CrossFit, whatever it is that you do to allow that space to kind of just sit and, and embrace your body changing and figure out how you can make that return. I, I want to go back also to pregnancy and you running during it and running the week up until you gave birth. It's crazy to me because I think some people think that they shouldn't run. It's not good for them during pregnancy. And then also the ones that do continue to run. I wonder if I assume you were probably slower. And like you said, you were running less mileage. Did that have any effect on how you felt as a runner since you said it's kind of part of your identity? That's a good question. I think I kind of went in knowing like, okay, I'm, you know, whatever it was, 30 pounds 
heavier than I normally am at this point. Of course, like my running form is going to change and, and things are going to change. And I just was cautious anyway, like knowing there was a small human growing inside me. I didn't want to push it. I wasn't going to do any speed workouts or, or, you know, run on trails where there was a chance I could slip and fall or anything like that. So I think I was just went in with the mentality, like it is, it's supposed to be different right now. It's going to feel different. And, and I was more acting from a form of a way of self-care. Yeah, it's really like a stress relief. And I'm assuming, I mean, I've never gone through it, but I'm assuming your body feels different. And sometimes that running or exercise probably makes you feel a little better during those times. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. I mean, during my second pregnancy, I stopped running at 28 weeks. So because it didn't feel as great, it it just it felt more uncomfortable than it did the first time around. So it was more comfortable for me to do like band work, cross training, biking, um, strength things too. So it might be a person to person thing, but during the first pregnancy, I, I did feel really good running. And fortunately, I think the time of year may play into it too. Second pregnancy, I was pregnant throughout the summer, which was like hot and humid. The first time it was the winter months and we lived in Charlotte. So it was pretty mild. So it felt pretty good to get outside. Yeah, that that plays a huge role too, is the weather, even if you're not pregnant, it can really make running a drag or great. Right. Do you, did you have to, I mean, obviously you thought about nutrition, right? You're a dietitian, but nutrition is different during pregnancy. You, sometimes you can't eat the same thing. So how did you deal with that while running and also keeping your nutrition regimen? Yeah. So I wasn't, I didn't do any like training for half marathon or anything during pregnancy. And fortunately during my first pregnancy, it's funny how different my two pregnancies were, but during my first pregnancy, I didn't have any aversions or no nausea, morning sickness, anything like that. Like aside from my body changing and my belly growing, I didn't really feel different. So I was fortunate enough to pretty much eat my regular diet. Of course I did have more, more, hunger. Like I was hungry more often and you're, sometimes you're just famished. You're, you're thirstier, you know, your blood volume's changing and all of that. So I think the quantity I was eating was increasing, especially in the first trimester. That's when everything's starting and my hunger was really high. And then at some point things change and your stomach, it's almost like you can't fit anything in there. It just feels so crowded. So it's kind of like up and down, but I really, really, and I tell this to my clients, it was a great experience to learn to listen to my body. That's exactly what I'm getting from everything you're saying. Between the first and second pregnancy, you really listened to your body and that you found that one, you were able to run and one, you weren't. And then the same thing with the eating. First off, you're so lucky, I'm sure that you didn't have that morning sickness. So, but, and then you had this great experience running during your first pregnancy, but yeah, it sounds like you really just have to go day by day and listen to what your body is telling you. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's no black and white about it and, and everyone's going to be different. And like you said, and you know, my two pregnancies were very different. I actually was signed up for, or I ran uh, the Disney half marathon and I was like eight weeks pregnant. So I thought like, Oh, it won't be a big deal. But halfway through, I was like, you know what? I don't really feel good. And there's no reason for me to push through just to kind of say I did it. So I stopped after you know, half of the race, which is something I never would have done before, because maybe it was a pride thing, or maybe it's like, well, I signed up and I did all the training and I'm going to push through. But it was kind of like listening to my body again, and maybe having that foresight, like, it's just not worth it at this point in time. 
Yeah, that's a really good example. Also, it's not just you anymore, right? So you're pushing, you're not just pushing yourself through. That's what you have to consider. Right. Totally. I also want to talk about the six weeks postpartum thing. This is something that I've seen a lot of people talk about on social media and how the healthcare system does seem to fail postpartum moms a bit in that they say six weeks after you give birth, you're good to go. You can go back to exercise. You can live your normal life. And some women say that's actually not the case at all. I did not feel well six weeks after postpartum. So can you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Yeah, it's 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 a frustrating thing. Um, and I think it's just the standard of care right now. Either they don't have time or, you know, OBs aren't they're not coordinating care with follow-ups. They're not saying you should go see a pelvic floor therapist or you should go see a dietitian or anything like that. It's just kind of like, oh, six weeks, you're healed. Go ahead and do this. But there's so much more healing that has to happen. And a lot it's going to depend on the delivery of birth too. So that's another difference between my two girls. So my first was a C-section birth. And I actually returned to running a lot quicker, whereas my second was a VBAC born at home in my bedroom And that recovery was actually harder in some ways. I mean, obviously you have, I had a toddler running around to care for too, but just the healing and everything from that seemed to take a lot longer. So, and on top of that, add in the hormones, the sleep deprivation. I mean, in no way is a woman's body going to be recovered at that point. There's just a lot more that has to happen. And we know holistically that, you know, health is, is more than just the physical part. So if you're considering the emotional stress and the sleep deprivation and rebuilding all of the stores of nutrients that you've kind of given to your baby throughout all of this time, there's just, there's just a lot of mismatches between what we think or where we think we should be and where we actually are. And I I would think also that the, when you do finally get back to running, you're probably going to be slower. The mileage is going to probably be down. I know personally I get on myself in terms of when I have a slow run or if I don't run at least a 5k, which is ridiculous. And I know that's ridiculous. And sometimes I'm able to tell myself this is ridiculous, but sometimes I'm not. So I, how did you, did that happen to you after you got back to running that it was less mileage and you didn't feel as I guess in shape. And how did you handle that? I'd be lying to you if I said that wasn't a factor. I mean, absolutely. I I felt that. And I still feel that pressure sometimes. And the funny thing is, I'm the only one putting that pressure on myself saying like, well, I used to run 40 miles a week. Why am I not doing that now? And it's like the practical side of my brain is like, oh, right, you have two kids and you're still only 10 months postpartum and your body's not where it used to be. Your body looks different. You're building back up strength and things like that. So again, tying back to my identity as a runner, or, you know, I used to run this pace on long runs, or I used to be able to go this far without taking water or gels or whatever, things change. And I think part of it is just coming to terms and and respecting how far I've come and how my body has changed and what it's allowed me to do and realizing that it's okay, you know, like running is supposed to be different now. And It's not to say I can't get back to where I was running, you know, X amount of miles a week or X pace for a half marathon. But at the same time, I'm still joyous and just grateful to be able to run in the first place and just get out there and clear my mind. So I think it almost makes me look at running as a more authentic way to just kind of get out there and enjoy some self-care for myself. 
Do you also push stroller or do you run solo? I have pushed a stroller. I actually haven't done that as much just because with the recovery, still doing some pelvic floor therapy and building back up, I don't want to add too much weight to what I'm already doing. But yeah, I, in the past, I've pushed a stroller probably as far as like seven or eight miles. And that is a really, really hard, intensive workout. Oh my God. It's so hard. I have a nephew who's two now, but when he was first born, my sister wanted to get back into running. So I would run with her and I would push the stroller because clearly I wasn't the one who gave birth. And I'm like, this is hard. (laughs) I didn't even go through giving birth. This is really hard. You're pushing around. I mean, maybe he was only 15 pounds at that point, but still that's a lot. Yeah. And I've seen moms pushing like double strollers and I'm just like, you are a warrior. All the power to you. That is a hard workout. If you want to get the latest cutting-edge information in the field of sports medicine, check out my new show, The Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. I'm Mike Reinald. Each week I feature a new interview with some of the leading and emerging experts in our field so they can share their recent research, clinical experience, and best career advice. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, it's crazy. So good for them, but it's it's a lot. I uh, <laughs> And I also think it's great what you said about kind of just recognizing what your body can do and being okay with it. Because I think it's, it's very easy to fall into the comparison trap of what you see on social media. And I've seen people, you know, run a half marathon the same year they gave birth or even run a marathon or something like that. And it, I, I think that's hard for some women that they see that and they think, why can't I do that? Right. You're right on. It's really hard for some women. I mean, it's the comparison trap is real and social media. While I think it has so many great qualities, especially now that there's a lot of accounts that are using it for education purposes, and maybe it's helping those who don't have access to a dietitian or a pelvic floor therapist or whatever sort of professional they're looking for. At the same time, it really can spark that comparison. And I know you would probably agree with this being in the nutrition industry. There's a lot of people who aren't qualified sharing advice as well. So then things get even murkier. So it really, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to do your research or respect boundaries, whether that's taking time away from social media or limiting who you're following, especially just realizing that there's seasons of life and Right now, my season of life is not to PR in a half marathon or a marathon. And coming to terms with that has taken time, but I think it's something I'm work, I work through with clients as well. So it's just a really good lesson for me to practice what I preach. Yeah, I love that. It's seasons of life. Because when your kid's 10, who knows where you'll be? Maybe you'll be back to running you know, pre-pregnancy pace or maybe even faster. You, you don't know what'll happen 10 years from now. Exactly. I mean, maybe Cameron, my three-year-old will be running with me. Who knows? Or maybe I'll be watching her run races. It's There's so much to be said about what's going to happen. But yeah, I think just being grateful for where I am now and knowing that it won't always be this way. And this is just kind of the, the season of life right now. Yeah, that's an awesome mindset. I also want to talk about when we talk about the comparison trap, I think there's a lot when it comes to body image. And I also wanted to Talk about nutrition in this regard as well, because I do think that there's a lot of pressure put on women after giving birth to get back to their quote unquote pre-pregnancy body. And sometimes that turns into women not eating enough. 
And then they're also trying to run or work out and they're not fueled and they're breastfeeding. They're not eating enough. They're trying to lose weight. There's just so much that goes into that. So have you seen that in the postpartum world? Absolutely. Yes. I've, I've actually worked with a lot of clients who feel this way too. And, and I think those cultural messages, while yes, they're very harmful, they're prevalent. It's almost like the societal norm that people expect, you know, three months after giving birth that a woman should look like she looked before. And the reality of the situation, as we've talked about, is just like, there's everything changes, your whole life changes. So, and you're a different person. So it's, it's silly to expect your body to be the exact same before your whole life turned upside down. So I think there's just a lot of emotional work that has to go into it with coming to terms that bodies are meant to change. I mean, you've, you've carried a human, which is an amazing feat in and of itself. And then you're raising that human and and you're coming into a new role as a mom or whatever that looks like for you. So um, for me, at least um, while there was some mourning, you know, like, oh, looking back at pictures, like I look different then there's also this new power of like, I'm a whole new person and I'm just so busy right now that I don't even have time to like mourn that anymore. Like I'm just going with the flow right now and realizing that I don't want my kids to see me kind of like looking at old pictures of myself or trying to shrink my body and avoiding certain foods because they may change my body. It's, it's more so now just a natural progression that this is who I am and that's okay. And it seems like it's somewhat inevitable that a lot of women after giving birth will want to lose weight. That's just something that I hear all the time. I've heard it from friends. Oh, you should talk more about losing weight after giving birth. And I'm like, that's not, you know, that's not my area of expertise. And that's not necessarily something I want to talk about anyway. But how do you deal with that when it comes to clients and and they want to, that's, that's their goal. They really just want to lose this baby weight. Yeah. And, and first off, I just, I sympathize with them because that's the society we live in, right? That's what they think they're supposed to do. So a lot of it is just recognizing like, it's okay that your body changed and maybe grieving that thin ideal that they think they should look like. And a lot of this goes back to the comparison too. like, who are, what are they comparing their, their body to, to feel like they have to fit a mold? Is it their former pre-pregnancy self or is it a trainer on social media who has no kids and works out for five hours a day. So I think the real, the realistic goals come into it and then recognizing all of the other things that make them who they are. And if, especially if they're breastfeeding too, that plays in like trying to lose weight or intentionally undernourishing their bodies is going to affect more than them. And in a vulnerable period, postpartum is so vulnerable. So in such a vulnerable time, you know, undernourishing yourself or trying to undercut, take, you know, cut corners here and there, there's really going to be side effects that affect mood or obviously physical symptoms, uh, mental symptoms, sleep, and then think about the kids that you're raising too. So it's, it's definitely a deep topic and it's an emotional one. There's, there's usually a lot of deeper discussions and sometimes some therapy that has to go into it too. And let's talk about, you you brought up breastfeeding and milk supply. Does running affect milk supply? I don't know if I would be the best person to, to answer that, but I can speak anecdotally. So for me, I, I haven't found that it has, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to, I breastfed 
my first for two years and I'm 10 months in with the second one and having to, to balance that and running, I, I haven't found that it affects mine, but I have heard from some women that it has. So I don't know if it's a person to person thing or, you know, a nutrition thing based on what they're eating, if they're not eating enough, if they're not drinking enough. Um, I've heard from running coaches say that they haven't seen an impact. And I honestly don't know if there's studies on that, but it seems like as with anything with breastfeeding or postpartum, it might be a person to person thing. Yeah, actually, I know two people who have given birth recently. One is has undersupply of milk and one has oversupply of milk and both healthy, both exercising. So I, I think it's probably individualized. I'm also not an expert in it, but I think that that's everyone's probably different in that regard. Yeah. And that can be another thing that, you know, people might be comparing themselves to, which again, in such a vulnerable time, it can lead to, you know, this comparison comparisonitis, or it can lead to like anxiety about certain things. Like, why am I not producing enough milk or depression? And I think like, if I had to sum up postpartum in one word, it's just like, we need support. Moms, women, families need support. Yeah. And I almost, you saying that, I almost wonder if there's postpartum running groups that people could join. If there's not, someone should start one. I think that's a great idea. Like everyone is in the same boat and, you know, trying to enjoy their love of running, but maybe reach their goals at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's really, uh, I think that's what happens after you give birth, you've been through this thing that only other people who have gone through it experience or understand, which is why I keep saying, I don't, I don't know what this is like, cause I haven't gone through this, but yeah, you got to really find a support system around you that you can talk to and probably ask what they're going through as well. And it kind of, I'm sure that probably makes you feel better in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Just having other people with you to feel like you're not alone. It makes a big difference. Do you have any running goals now? I know we kind of talked about you're just, uh, you're just running and you're just enjoying it. Are there any, anything that you want to do in the future? Any races you want to run or anything like that? Or is it just kind of taking it day by day? I have a half marathon on the agenda for early fall, but I don't want to, you know, jump the gun too soon. I'm actually enjoying kind of not having a goal, like in the past, having that pressure, I'm running 40 miles a week, or I have to do a speed workout on Tuesday nights. And, you know, I got a 15 miler this Saturday, like it was very structured. And that just doesn't work with my lifestyle right now with with having kids. So having a little bit more flexibility is nice. I'm actually really enjoying cycling and some strength workouts, things that I never really gave myself the space or time to do in the past. So I think just going into it and having this flexible mindset is making everything more enjoyable. That actually brings up a good point. How do you, do you have recommendations for women who really want to get back kind of into long distances, but can't seem to find the time? I would think you probably have to plan it out and talk to your partner about support with that. But is there a way to, do you think there's a way to do that with kids? I do. So I, I ran a marathon when camp, when my oldest was 18 months. So kind of figuring out how to train for that. And it was actually probably not the season of life to do that going back to seasons of life, just because like it was, we had two weddings that fall. We were traveling like every weekend I had a PR trip, um, but I made it work. Um, so some of the things that, that worked for me is I like to tell people like you think about having a pie. So 
you know, everything we do is a slice of the pie. So when you're marathon training or half marathon, whatever it is, trying to reach a goal, it's probably going to be a bigger slice of pie. So that means the other pieces are just, you're going to have to cut things out. You're going to have to say no to more things. You're going to have to prioritize what's most important to you. So when I was marathon training, that took up a bigger piece of the pie. So things like even cooking, nutrition, like I didn't have as much time to spend. And while yes, nutrition and food is important, I, I relied more on things like meal delivery or grocery pickup or had a lot more frozen items on hand or, you know, like went for post-run smoothies, like had them ready. So I really tried to streamline things and be efficient. And, and the same thing with other things, like um, if people are in a position for, if, you know, if they own their own business, if they're in a position to outsource or hire someone to help, just because you're going to be spending more time training and then you want to also spend more time with your family because it's, it's kind of like a push pull being able to kind of reduce responsibilities elsewhere is really helpful. Another thing I did is talking about the running stroller um, because as a mom, you, you feel guilty and you shouldn't, but it's almost like you're spending time away from your kids. There's this tug that like, well, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't do something for myself. When in reality, you absolutely should do things that fill up your cup. But if you have a running stroller, that can be great to kind of take a little one with you if you're able to do that. Or if you have a treadmill or something at home, just taking advantage of nap times or early mornings, late nights when your children are sleeping. So you are able to spend that time with them as well. We, we hired babysitters a lot. Just, just that was something we knew going into that season of life that we wanted to invest just because my husband was also training for a race at the time. And it was important for both of us. It was kind of a non-negotiable that, okay, we each need this time every day to carve out for our run or our workout. How can we do this and, and still stay devoted to each other and still stay sane and support each other? And it just, we both realized, well, we need some extra help. So I think That's that, a, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, those are great ideas because I think some people, you know, some parents will dedicate time to going to the movies or going to a show or going to a concert. I mean, pre-COVID, but maybe hopefully soon again. And I, that's, you know, they'd hire a babysitter for that. So if you're marathon training, I've done that before. I know that takes over your life. That's your entertainment. That's what you do for fun. <laughs> so why not hire a babysitter to make it so that you can do that? Totally. And, and that just, it just made sense for us. And, and if you have, you know, a friend or a partner who runs too, you could spend time together doing a long run or, or something like that. And then like make something fun to do after. So, so that really helped me. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you have to turn on, I would turn on the TV for my daughter so I could get my run in on the treadmill or have her do like a kid's yoga session. So we could, you know, quote unquote, work out together. You can get as as creative as you like with it, but I think the bottom line is that if you realize it's something that's important to you, like it's important for your kids to see that. I really wanted my daughter to see me achieve a goal and work towards a goal. So that was kind of my why, like every day when I said, why am I doing this? This is so hard to balance. It was like, oh, right. I want Cameron to see her mom working towards a goal and see her mom balancing you know, family life and doing something she likes because she can do that too. Did your husband take her to be a spectator at the race? Unfortunately, I, I went to Detroit for the race. So they stayed, they stayed home and we had to FaceTime. So I kind of, I went solo to the race. 
I was just asking because I've seen so many kids uh, in the sidelines when I run races and I always th- think it's the cutest thing when they're cheering on their moms. I know. And they make signs. We've we've done that for my husband. And I hope as they continue to get older, you know, that is something that our family does together to support each other. And I, I love that idea. I think so. I think they'll remember that, right? Those will be occasions that they remember because I remember doing things like that when I was younger, going to my, my sister was a in musical theater, going to her shows and doing stuff like that. You remember, those are good family memories. Right. And just making it fun, you know, like this, whatever exercise or movement that they choose, or if they, if they even decide they like a certain form of exercise, just showing that it can be fun and not punishing, I think is, is a great role model thing to do as well. Well, I think all of these tips have been really good. And I think that I hope that they inspire postpartum women or pregnant women to really rethink about how they view running and also how they view their bodies. I think the tips that you gave are really awesome. And I know people would love to learn more from you. So could you tell them where they can find more? And I know you also have a podcast. Sure. So thank you for that. So they can find more in terms of food, nutrition, and some running information. My blog is Bucketless Tummy. And I talk about nutrition. I work one-on-one with clients there. And I also have a a newer website called Nutrition for Running, which is going to be more exclusively running-based, some science-based articles and tips for running nutrition. And then on that note, I, I host a podcast. It's called Nail Your Nutrition. I co-host a podcast, I should say. And that's all about fueling for endurance activity. So I'm really passionate about making sure athletes are fueling adequately to support their training. So we talk to experts in the field throughout that podcast just to, to help athletes understand the importance of fueling. Not to fall into the comparison trap, but you have two websites, a podcast and two kids. So good for you. I mean, you're killing it. I love it. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a long road and I have a lot of help. So I've, I've hired on a lot of assistance. So trying to, again, um, put my mind, my mouth where my money is and just back myself up. Awesome. Well, everyone should go check out Sarah and I appreciate you being on. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleats or visit my website at greenleats.com.